but this is the point about the past decade. The gaming industry doesn't need Hollywood. It's like, like they're in control. You know what I mean? They're basically saying, it's like, no, like if we don't want to make the movie, it's not going to impact our bottom line. Like the video yeah. game industry, $150 billion a year, right? The Hollywood is $30 billion a year. So I think like that is a disconnect. We are the minority. Wow. This is what I'm wait, saying, wait. right? So it's five times the size of yeah, Hollywood. Yeah, five times the size. That's insane. Uh, welcome to another episode of No Investment Advice. We've got NI boys here today. We've got Jack Butcher, Trunk fan, Bilal Zaidi. Trunk, you look like you're about to spear freestyle, bro. What's going on? What's going on? I look like you're it... about to drop the fresh verse in 2003, man. Coming up with that cypher. Have you guys ever seen Eminem roll into a BET cypher? Oh my God, incredible. Dude, Google Eminem BET cypher. The way that the other artists respect his game. It's they get so like sure. the best. They know he's Do the best. you know the only person who was better? Jin the MC. Do you remember oh, Jin the MC? Oh, the Asian cat, man. The Asian. Dude. Or 106 and Park. When he won like eight weeks in a row, right? Freestyle battle. Freestyle Fridays. Incredible. Incredible. Uh, Jack, what's going on, mate? You're on the road again. In New York, in New York, yeah. Me and Bilal going to link in person we, tomorrow. We could have shared tomorrow. a mic this morning, Bilal, but we, just, we uh, I know, still I know. We didn't locations sync too. it enough, yeah. To be fair, yeah. I wouldn't have made it in. But um, all right, boys, we've got a lot to talk about. we got a movie business getting broken down today because Nintendo had a crazy weekend for Super Mario Bros. hit 400 million in it's opening more of an weekend. It's intellectual property chat, which is and yeah, branding, yeah, that's true. which is right down Jack's alley. Exactly. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about best adaption films or game adaption films, some old school Nintendo chat as well. Then we're going to be talking about Europe versus US. There's been some tweets from Paul Graham and others popping off about discussing tech. about tech and uh, companies coming out of Europe. Um, so yeah, let's let's kick it off with the Nintendo side, boys. Jack, uh, I mean Trunk, what happened? Because I, you you pinged us in the group chat, said let's do a Nintendo chat, and I had no idea what was going on, but they broke all the records. It looks like they had a ridiculous Easter. I don't know if it's a record for Easter, but four hundred million, uh, three hundred eighty million opening weekend. I mean that number. You guys heard that? It's absurd. That's a lot of money for a film opening, and uh, I think they have already made more money than any other movie this year. I think Ant-Man was number one, about $420 million. So I, I, by that time this episode comes out Wednesday, they probably have picked up globally uh, that much. And I don't know if you guys remember, do you remember the the 1993 live-action Super Mario film? I can vaguely now okay. see the Bilal. characters, but yeah. I don't really, remember. Can you pull uh, that up just, and just, uh, just to cover of was that it film? Ma- was it called Super Mario? 1993, yeah, Super Mario Bros. 1993. So what I'm going to tell you guys is this about that film. That film was so bad that it set back it set back uh, adaptions of video games to film oh, okay, decades, see, yeah. like literally decades. They're like this. They're like we can't. There's like you can't make money adapting video. Look at this. Yes, John Leguizamo, Bob John Leguizamo as uh, Luigi, uh, Bob Hoskins as Mario, and Dennis Hopper as uh, the equivalent of Bowser. This this movie is so demented that uh, Leguizamo in his biography said that he's basically drunk on set the entire time because he's like we knew how bad this movie was. I want to give you guys a little bit of background on how bad that movie was. So the reason it happened was Nintendo. I mean, guys, did you have the NES and SNES? Did you guys have both those consoles? Played them. I don't think I had them. I was thinking I was Sega. I thought yeah, Sega, I was Sega Mega Drive, and then Wait, PlayStation. I don't think they that big in the UK as much as... Uh, oh, like that's M64. a great point, actually. I remember my friend had it. Maybe had. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But but obviously you guys knew about Nintendo, right? Like it's like yeah, an obviously massive brand. Yeah. So like so they uh so eighties is when uh the Nintendo Entertainment System comes out and then Super Nintendo comes out in the early nineties. And then N sixty four, which Blau just talked about, was in the late nineties. That but was Mario Kart, console, yeah. Great yeah, console, Mario Kart Golden Eye. Oh my god, dude. Golden Eye as well. Well, we had that at uni. Someone bought one off eBay, and then we just used to play Mario Kart on like a Dude, N64. Mario Kart is the greatest post nightclub bar game ever. Or maybe Smash Brothers. Those are the only two options, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Smash Brothers or Mario Kart or GoldenEye, three options. But the whole point is Nintendo, which, uh, so if, if nobody here has listened to the Acquired podcast, these guys are just the best on the company breaks out. They have a double episode on Nintendo. But uh, I just want to talk about the console itself because it blows up in the early 90s uh, with the Super Nintendo, which is the most baller system ever. I actually had that. My, as an immigrant a parent, my dad knew the only way to play to his children was every Christmas, buy whatever the console was. So every Christmas we have a new console. But uh, Nintendo hadn't done film yet. And they knew they had sick IP. They knew they did. They spent decades building up their really good uh, uh, like guys like Yoshi, Mario, Luigi, Bowser, Donkey Kong. They hadn't done film. So they did an exploratory film. Uh, which we just saw, which which became a massive joke. But the whole point is they put $15 million to make this movie, which at the time was enormous budget because they thought they had a built-in audience. But the producer of the film, uh, I think his name is Gerard Joff, uh, Richard Joff, he was a really dramatic, serious uh, director. I don't know if you guys remember the 1989 Batman with Michael Keaton. Do you guys remember that movie? Uh-huh. Yeah, you remember? That, that was a badass movie, man. That Batman with uh, Jack Nicholson as Joker. But the whole point, the reason I bring that up is that they basically want to make a Super Mario movie like that Batman movie, kind of gritty and like like in the streets. Uh, but, the whole, but the problem was that nobody wanted that. <laughs> like, if you're really a fit, fan, yeah. Yeah, if you're, if you're a fan of that video game, you want the fan service, right? Which is exactly what the 2023 movie did. It's literally 90 minutes of like animated uh, uh, Super Mario Brothers and... It, it just feeds people like I haven't seen it yet, but I've heard from people. Like an extension of the game. Exactly, yeah. right? And like and there's so much fan there's so many Easter eggs and small callbacks to like the video games and, uh, and things like that. But um uh, I'll just what I'll say is this. I'll uh, I'll, I'll tie up the nineteen ninety three part and then I'll throw you guys a couple quick questions about IP. So the uh the big mistake they made on Nintendo was they gave the producer creative rights for the films. They don't even care. They they're like, you can have full creative rights on making this movie, which is why it was such a disaster. Uh, but uh, we just want the merchandising, so which sounded good. Uh, and then the other part was actually trying to get Arnold and Tom Hanks into the show, <laughs> and which would have been absolutely bonkers. Arnold as Bowser, Tom Hanks as Luigi, which I can kind of see. That's hilarious, dude. Yeah. Could you? That's so yeah. funny. Just so, that visual alone. But it's unreal, right? The one silver lining for the film. Uh, other than the fact this complete disaster, well, the silver lining is this: they did a really good visual effects for the time, and like they used something called Autodesk Flame, which is like early CGI, and it's now an industry standard. So like it, it's got a bit of a, a weird legacy. But the the question I'll throw to you guys is this: Did you even know that this Super Nintendo Mario Brothers was coming out movie? And what is your actual interest in watching? I didn't know it was coming out. Okay. I knew uh, it had come out about. 24 hours ago when you told me it broke all these records yeah. or like it was 400 mil but yeah what about you jack did you no did you i, know I, I have no out? idea i'm so also surprised by the numbers because you would think that that those characters and that story is is really like overly resonating with a 
group of people in a really specific age group. Like, I'm curious, is it a kids' film, or could you take kids to it? I yeah, don't know it, how it, it. it's very kids. It's like, uh, it's even more kids than Shrek. Well, the, the group that made is it, it just straight animated. It's not it's like animated. It's like it's like Despicable Me uh, minions. Same, got it, same got it. producers as. Uh, so th th this is something we'll tap into right after this, but. Those guys are monsters, right? The Minions guys. Like we talked about, remember we did the Minions episode uh, probably a year ago when they released uh, the latest Minions went crazy on TikTok. Um, With the so dudes that, wearing the suits to the Yeah, the exactly. Yeah. The, the gentle Minions. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So well, that's funny that you guys mentioned that, but I, I think something worth mentioning also is we, 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 you, Blau often brings up how we live in a bubble. I think this is one of the biggest bubbles that I am, uh, uh, one of the biggest bubbles that I'm not familiar with is the gaming bubble. I don't game anymore, but we've all talked about how massive gaming is, right? Like, like think about our niche interests. Jack's got Web3, I got like Tech Twitter, Bilal has Arsenal, even football, even like European football pales in comparison to video games, right? Like the video yeah. game industry, $150 billion a year, right? The Hollywood is $30 billion a year. So I think like that is a disconnect. So wow. what Jack, you're- That's Jack, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, you're right. You know what you're saying? Yeah. It's when you're saying, you know, I, I don't know who this would like appeal to. It's like, well, actually we're the minority here. Like we're right, not right. the That's gamers. Great. great point. Great point, right? man. When do you, what was your guys gaming habits? Like I, last time I regularly played games, I was like playing FIFA with the boys I lived at uni yeah. with. And then when I moved out, I read, I played a little, little bit. Like when I first moved to the States, I was like keeping up with people, you know, I'd go on. Like we used to play Grand Theft Auto on the multiplayer mode. Like what, Xbox, Xbox boys. or PlayStation? Uh, PlayStation. Okay. Three? No, PlayStation Four. Okay, PS Four. And then you know people started you know getting to an age where you're not doing that for three oh, hours on a Saturday. Again, that's the thing. It's the we're still in the minority of that. You know what I mean? It's like yeah, a lot of people amazing. age continue aging into it. Like, um, you bring up such a great point. I stopped playing same time. The Grand Theft Auto 3 was the last game I finished front to end. I played FIFA until probably 2008, 2009, and then haven't played a single game since. And the crazy part is the last 15 years have like the greatest games ever. <laughs> the games just keep getting better. And, I forgot uh, the stat I'd read, Trung, or you might know off the top of your head, but the size of gaming versus like those other little industries you were yeah, talking about, it's just so billion, much bigger. Yeah, it's 150 plus, 150 billion plus for games. 30 billion for Hollywood, like 30 billion for music. We are the minority. Wow. This is what I'm wait, saying, wait. right? So it's five times the size of yeah, Hollywood. It's five times the size. That's insane. And especially Which, if you think like, like even like The Last of Us, that new show that was on HBO yeah. was based on that game, right? And there's exactly. obviously other big ones where it's not just like a kid's game. That's kind of when I'd learned a bit about it. It was at Charity Border. We were working on like gaming streamers and stuff with Twitch and all that stuff. And I like 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 you, Jack. I'd stopped really playing proper games as a kid, and the only one that stuck was like FIFA and Pro Evolution and, and Championship Manager. Maybe. Championship Manager, which is funny room. because you're a football fan, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah it extends exactly. in a different way. Like, it extends That's into true. like real life stuff versus yeah, well, yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, it's fascinating life, to me. Yeah, yeah. Like, this conversation is like bending my mind a little bit. Like the amount of the amount of time somebody spends in that virtual narrative is like. Obviously, people like looking at that, like, oh, we could make a you know a film to sit on top of this thing that captures all the interest that is already been. Does that include mobile games and stuff? Try that's like that's yeah, 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 that, that, that includes yeah, it includes mobile. So mobile is yeah. actually mobile is the, I think to your point the biggest because the, the largest 
like App Store, you know the App Store revenue is insane, right? Whatever, it's like $100 billion a year or how much they pay and out. Most of the like, games that are clocking most, most revenue games. are basically yeah. casino games, right? Yeah, they're, they're basically yeah, like, yeah. Like, like, or like those little or... basic games. Like my um, mother-in-law, basically my missus mom, she, she, we were talking about gaming and she was like, oh, who's playing games? And then I observed her for a few days and she's playing a game on her phone for hours exactly, every day right? but she doesn't even think of it as gaming she's just oh no it's an app on my phone like i'm playing with all these people she's like in tournaments and stuff it's quite amazing but um that's the thing people don't even think about well, this that is why they I don't just feel think bad kids. about being addicted to twitter which is funny because we're gonna talk about <laughs> dopamine later but no, yeah, everybody yeah. is is the phone the form factor of the phone itself lends itself to addiction right and like the game that we have chosen is twitter like us or like uh me and jack probably more so than Bilal. yeah yeah like, but like you have a different addiction, which is like probably going through like thirty tabs about Arsenal, right? You yeah, yeah. I mean? You're just going through the forum. Uh, but um, no, I, I the the point I want to bring up about this because remember how I started this and seeing like the 1993 Super Mario Brothers was so bad at like it ruined uh, uh game adaptions. But this is the point about the past decade: the gaming industry doesn't need Hollywood. It's like like they're in control. You know what I mean? They're basically saying is like no, like if. We don't want to make the movie. It's not going to impact our bottom line. I mean, sure, there are ancillary benefits to having a Hollywood movie, right? Hollywood still has the shine. You still get... There's something about Hollywood that's just different, right? It's like, this is why Amazon spends on streaming. This is why Apple spends on streaming. There's something about Hollywood that even these giant trillion-dollar tech companies that won't even move the revenue needle for them. Like, Jeff Bezos still wants to show up at the Oscars, you know what I mean? There's something about Hollywood. But then the numbers speak for themselves. Like, even for Super Mario, it's like, how, are you going to acquire that many more new customers for the video game? Probably not. But uh, I think that part's super interesting. And I, I think talking to you guys about uh, realizing how much bigger games is, like, we are really the minority, if you think about it, about, like, yeah. from games. Well, that, that um, Tetris movie, we didn't get all the way through it, but we managed to watch, like, half of it and so much of it. It's... I'm probably going to do a bad job summarizing it because I haven't seen the whole thing, but centers around IP basically and distribution rights and like how these games are distributed in different countries and cultures. And Nintendo is basically, um, well, it focuses on obviously Tetris, but also it's like the inception of the handheld console, which is weirdly like it broke the model because it introduces like a new form factor to put the game boy the, the game games boy onto yeah 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 and there's this amazing scene where he goes in and they're like showing the hardware and the guy that's obsessed with um well the guy that i think brought tetris to market or is a has a huge role in uh making tetris one of the biggest games ever like this scene where he's looking at the game boy hardware device for the first time is like whoa this is nuts and mario is the the game that they were going to ship it with and they talked about um they basically talked about appeal like he's saying mario has a niche appeal versus tetris like anybody and everybody plays tetris right which is like weirdly analogous to mobile games now but like you know they're just these like time consuming like uh you know brain engaging almost like twitch muscle Oh, like, yeah, I see your saying. Like, uh, like, Tetris is so much like how we play the, the majority of, like, mobile games, right? It's yeah, not yeah, like, like these that long as a fantasy world games. Right, 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 right. That is a way more, like, 
broadly consumed and enjoyed gaming pattern and like putting that on a Game Boy, it was like, you know, the probably the first example of what is now this like massive mobile game. Like anytime I'm in an airport or like on a plane or whatever, I look around what people are doing and that most people are like playing like, you know, they can't use the phone for the internet. Candy it's Crush, like, Candy Crush, bro. It's Candy Crush or it's like the number games or it's these simple puzzle things just like being engaged on some level. But also you know, Angry you Birds see... as well back in the day. That was a class one, man. That was a class yeah, one. That, that was, that was a what? crazy case study. Oh, they had all dude. the toys. Like that was a huge moment. Yeah, man. yeah. That no, was they, tried to, they tried to pull them. Uh, they tried to pull Mario, right? Like they turned it into took the IP, made a film. Like what else can we do with this stuff? Yeah, Yo, we wow. need a worm. Do you remember worms? Where you'd be just uh, no Did you guys ever play worms? Where you'd be? I loved worms. Fighting man. like other loved worms. Yeah, I think I played with my brother on one computer. Like you take turns, and you'd like the worm would like shoot something, and you try to kill the other worm. Trunk, you never played this. It looks oh, you might have frozen. But uh, Man, hey, I love that was worms, a classic, wow. classic like film, the PC yeah. oh, classic to, game. Uh, do you remember Game, the shop in the UK? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'd be there yeah. every week. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. In the shopping center. Mate, worms 2, unboxing that. Like, I remember, like, tapping the table, trying to get the, the bar to move faster, you know, and the levels. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Back in the day, man. <laughs> Back in the day. Man, going to the... That's the thing. I wonder if... Because nowadays... Kid or like not just kids, people who were playing games, you can just press a button and download the game straight away. But back in the day, kind of like going to Blockbuster, it was like going to the game right. store. You remember, you'd go and you'd be going down your best little Debating hoodie tracksuit vibe, yeah. <laughs> and then you go <laughs> yeah. and then you go to the pre-owned section, see if you get like a nice twelve-pound version, yeah. and you're like, oh no, actually, let's get Ridge Racer trade Four, in. not yeah, yeah. trading. You trade in the old stuff. And then did you, I don't know if we should really talk about it, but it's fine. It's been a long time ago. Did you ever chip your PlayStation? Do you remember that phrase? I, remember, you... I don't know. I never did it. But yeah, you remember like um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Xbox modding and all that stuff. It was I didn't like, do it either. There was either, a crazy culture around some that. Of my friends, some of my friends did. And for people, younger listeners, that was like you would basically go, there was a guy called Mustafa down Wolfhamstone Market where, I, where, I, uh, <laughs> where I'd go to his house and you'd literally bring your PlayStation is this Turkish guy Mustafa? You bring it there, and he'd open up the PlayStation, and he'd do something, man. and then you could basically play copied games. And so we'd like go CDR to Pakistan, stuff. yeah. But even then, we'd go to Pakistan and buy like every game for one pound, like instead yeah, of you know, forty pounds. And you were just Arbitrage, a king. You'd baby. come home and you'd be playing every single game. <laughs> Everyone comes to your house like, did you just win the lottery? You've got like NBA Live, like the latest one, and it was amazing, man. That was so much like, fun. Bling bling king. Bling, no, bling, that king, era yeah. was nuts. Like when media was like actually restricted by hardware. Having crazy. a physical copy. Yeah. Like even my, I've got a PS4 and I was uh, clearing out some stuff recently and I opened the PS4 and I realized I still was using like an old FIFA. Like the FIFA was in there from like when I first moved there. It was yeah. like a FIFA Oh, because you just download everything beyond now, that, right? Yeah, since then I've been downloading it. Uh, Trung, we were just saying, we're talking about the difference between buying CDs back in the day for the like PlayStation or whatever, the game, versus now you just download it. And that old school thing that like you'd go down to the store to buy the game and do the pre-owned stuff. But yeah, Jack, I was saying like the, like I've, I, I just pulled out this game. It's like FIFA 2014 or something, like when I moved there, 2013. And I haven't bought one since. I've just been downloading them since. So it's just this weird yeah, thing that you don't even thing. have to do that. I think it's the exact same thing. Whatever is probably like a little 
marker of when you bought the console because after that yeah. it just all went remember Digital. memory cards on on playstation memory 2 memory cards on playstation yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you got a little like this memory save card, game bro. on the oh He's man on top oh my you'd goodness. have to save your game like the progress of the game yeah. or something yeah, yeah, like yeah. that that just was on, like before that i remember keeping my sega mega drive on like for 24 hours <laughs> yes, you couldn't save the game yeah 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 Sonic the hell don't turn it off. please don't turn it off please. and it's just yeah. spinning right it's spinning for literally 24 oh, and, hours yeah 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 what was the bet on um the Mega Drive my favorite game of all time was Streets of Rage I think me and Jack have talked hey, about it before game, do you remember Streets game. of Rage is that the fighting one yeah but it was oh, like dude, you're amazing. going from the left to the right yeah, and yeah then you, I know exactly what that game you pick is up that it like big shipped piece with the Mega Drive right I think so. Yeah, it was like that. Yeah. That music, the theme song to the to Streets of Rage. Like as soon as that comes on, I'm like, you could just I'm take you down that rabbit hole. I, rabbit hole. Have these, there's a there's a local market where we are, and like there's this one guy that comes out with all the old consoles. So you like you see like everything stacked up, and you look at it, it's like always think, oh, I'll get that and I'll play that and I'll yeah, you know, yeah. or set up a little. So I just don't do it. You know, I don't. I like. I'm not sure if it's actually compelling or it's just the nostalgia of like yeah. when you yeah, were you like play 13 or whatever. Game and then you're like, actually, the PS5 is far superior yeah. to this. <laughs> yeah, no, this Nintendo. Thing. No, it's the same with music, Twitter, right? You, Whatever you know, slaps in high school, tab. like Bone Thugs. Yeah. Bone Thugs slaps in high school. That's, that's what you true. listen to, right? That's true. Yeah, it's kind of what you grew up with. So Trung, as you dropped off, I guess one of the things I was going to ask, um, I was doing some research before this, but I only have. Funnily enough, up to the year 2021. Hit so, me. <laughs> so I have a, a limitation of it, but what are you? Yeah, what are yeah, you yeah. Using? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I asked ChatGPT the top game adaption movies by box office. Uh, funnily okay, enough, hold on, I, hold on, hold on. Before yeah. you do that, let me give you one on. last thought about the, the <laughs> Nintendo Cinematic Universe. Go on, go on. Let me ask you guys: Would you guys? Do you guys play Smash Brothers? I didn't even play Smash Brothers. No, you never played Smash Brothers. What, what is it? Is it like a? Is like a Mortal Kombat style thing? No, it's like uh, it's a screen, and then you can have up to like eight little like classic Super Nintendo, uh, Nintendo characters jumping around. It's one of the greatest games ever. But the reason I bring it up is yeah, like, I'm looking at. I probably did to yeah, be fair. I just don't remember because it was a long time ago. I think a lot of our ago. listeners did, and they should comment. Yeah. I, I think the the reason I bring it up, they have like Kirby, like Yoshi, all the characters yeah. into one universe. But this is waiting for an Avengers type of film right oh wow so look at I'm this cover thinking, yeah this is like yeah. made for it so like if they were to pull off so I, I'll, I'll pin the nintendo super mario brothers chat but the things i want to say is like nintendo is so deliberate about ip management and about uh how they walk into the industry like jack your point about the game boy right you're talking about tetris and the game boy they were so ahead and thinking about how people interact with games, right? And they, they think on the way they manage their IP. Like they made such a big guff with the 1993 movie that for the recent one, they brought in uh, the game, the main game designer, Shigeru Miyamoto. So this guy is the legend, the god. He was very hands-on in the production of this 2023 movie. And here's the crazy part. The the head of the studio of Illumination, which was uh, a production company, which did Despicable Me, Minions, they're, they're like Pixar-esque right now. He's now on the board of Nintendo. He's the first foreigner ever on the board of Nintendo. So Nintendo basically spent three decades being like, okay, well, we really guffed that. Let's hold back. If we're going to do it, we're going to do it right. And they're like, who can we plug into that understands branding licensing? Clearly, when we talk about Minions, like, remember when the Minions film came out, not just, like, the gentle Minions that Bilal brought up, but the deals that they do. Well, Bilal, you've probably seen as a digital media guy, it's like, 
they're amazing with partnerships, right? Minions? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, I haven't had too much exposure to it, but it seems but like they're it everywhere, from what right? Like when yeah, they go, yeah, it's yeah. Like, so like it was really smart of Nintendo to finally be like, uh, you know, we're gonna find the right partner. But here's a here's a crazy thing. Let, let me put this nugget for you guys. We talked about how mobile really took over and it is the source of a lot of gaming. I think the majority at this point. Nintendo never released a game. It took them ages to release an iPhone game. They did it with Super Mario Run. Uh, never really became a huge thing. And Pokemon Go is like the largest. Yeah, I was, gonna, I was just going to bring that up, man. Their, Pokemon their IP yeah. is insane. Yeah, Pokemon it's just like, but the way they manage Matt, it, right? It's just the way they manage it, though, is like they, they're not rushed. Like it took them three decades to make another film. It took them a decade since the iPhone came out, basically, to release a game uh, that really blew up uh, on mobile. And then, you know, with N64, with uh, a Nintendo Wii, uh, with the Switch. I mean, they've had some they've had some duds. The one between uh, Wii and Switch was a pretty big dud. But and the what GameCube, was that even called? Do you remember? I can't remember that one. But do you remember? Guess oh, that's the why it's a dud. I didn't even know there was one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, the GameCube. The Wii yeah, was yeah, crazy, yeah. man. The, the Wii was crazy. That was, oh. that was pre Wii, I think. The game. GameCube yeah. was pre Wii, right? Pre, yeah, so, like, yeah. And then they bring out the Wii, which you can use a controller to like uh, interact in real life. So, man, that was the, that was a massive moment that in was a culture. Remember that. That was People massive. throwing that through the TV screen yeah. and stuff, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Playing tennis. But I mean, like, these guys, like, they uh, they really are thoughtful. Man. And so I wasn't shocked. So the, you see the 400 million, it's actually not shocking when you think about how these guys, it's, I, I think the question was this. I'm like, why did it take them so long? But then if you actually look at their history, going back to what Jack said with, like, the Game Boys, like, they're so thoughtful about how they approach these things. Except for that really massive 1993 dud, I think they learned from it. We're so burnt from it that uh, they didn't want it to happen again. But I'll leave it with this. Uh, let's uh, hope that the uh, Smash Brothers IP uh, happens for Avengers style, because it looks like there's more juice to be squeezed. Are you going to watch the film? Oh, you've seen it, Tron? I haven't seen it. I'll probably watch it with my kids. Just get them into the universe. Take the baby and yeah. that's it. All right, boys. Maybe where I'll... do you think? I was just checking the top selling game consoles of all time. What do you reckon is top? Three. PS2. Wii. Wii's number one. Wii's got to be number one. Is it the Wii? Uh, well, again, this is depending on uh, if this is accurate. Cause is it chat? I'm just, I'm, I've am just i checked both chat GPT and Bard because Bard, I think, isn't stopping until 2021. Whereas, uh, yeah, because chat GPT stops in 2021. But okay, Jack was it. right. I think PlayStation 2. Because if you just think the number of people that were playing PlayStation then were yes, just so much more. Oh, 160 you know that- mil. 155 mil. What, what's Wii? They're like, uh, by the way, we, I think PlayStation is the best, sorry, one of the best up. brands ever. Oh, like PS, just the, yeah. Unreal. Just in, like, the, the name, the, oh, like, content yeah. they put out about it. The, if you go on YouTube and look at, like, best PlayStation ads, there's, like, art being created. For oh, that. oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. The ads was, themselves. Was, oh, that's a great they were just They were incredible, man. Like, so tr- just the whole concept of, like, uh, alternate, you know, like, the the consultant shill of metaverse now where it's like, oh, because the hardware's changed, you're now in like this new environment. It's like, no, these like that to me was like a not a zero to one, but it was a huge leap, right? Like that era of consoles was like massive difference from the eight bit two D, you know, era before it. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. it was a massive leap. Hundred percent. Also, I wonder, did you guys used to go to arcades 
as well when you were kids. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, go yeah, play yeah. like Street Fighter in person and stuff like that. What was the, uh, what was the really had an popular one? X-Men was good as well, yeah, yeah. What was the one with the dark one below? The, like, the shooter one, where you actually yeah. have a gun, basically. Uh, yeah, that. Uh, oh, did you, you have that oh, trunk? You reload by shooting away from the screen? Yeah, 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 exactly. Do you know what? In London, reload. trunk. There's a place called Trocadero in London, which is like I, I think they shut it down now. But Jack, did you ever go to Trocadero? It was like this I don't think massive. So, no. It was like the equivalent Chuck of a block cheese? long. Was it like a Chuck Not, E. Cheese? I don't. I've never been to Chuck E. Cheese, so I don't even know what it is. But it's basically time a huge, crisis. Before I forget that, sorry. Time crisis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, Trocadero was like an in-person arcade, but like massive. Like it was like eight floors or something, or maybe it felt like eight floors because I was like seven years old. Uh, yeah, but you, yeah, it was yeah. incredible. And then when you were like 15, 16, you were kind of almost too old to go, but you'd go just to hang out and like, <laughs> you know, just be, there's the dance, dance just revolution guys. Uh, my friend Michael Ho would be going on there, Vietnamese cat. He'd be going <laughs> from Hackney and he could break no down. Hands, so he no was just showing off. No hands, exactly. All right, to answer your question, Trunk, Nintendo Wii, according to Bard, which is up to 2023, I believe, uh, is fourth, 101 okay. million. I'm not using uh, ChatGPT for that one because that stops at 2021. Okay. PS2 was number one, 157 mil. Nintendo DS, 154. PS4, DS, what was that? That was a handheld, right? I think it was a yeah, handheld. Yeah, it was a DS. The and then um, Play the PlayStation 4, yeah. number three. Wii, number four. Xbox 360, and then it goes down. Okay, like, we well, have to read them all out. Before but, you yeah. do the next list, which is the uh, the film, you, you knew the top film adaptation according to the AI, which may be wrong. But can, yeah, let exactly. me ask you guys first, though. Jack and then Bilal. Actually, Bilal and Jack. What is your favorite film adaption? Don't look at the list. Or video game. Anything That's coming a, I'm, My I, favorite I have film adaptation. Maybe, oh, like Lara, what, maybe like Tomb Raider oh, Tomb or some Raider. shit. Okay, good call. Tomb Raider, yeah. yeah. So, okay. so video game first is the criteria. Yeah, video game to film. Man, I've got the other way around, GoldenEye. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, GoldenEye. That is good. <laughs> GoldenEye, no, it's, not, it's not even close. It's not, that is the greatest other way around. But what about the other way? You got to give us the other way. I'm trying to think, man. Uh, I'm trying to think. I think there's a reason why you think comes have you mind. got one? Trung, have you got one? Yeah, Mortal Kombat. Dude, Mortal Ooh, Kombat. That's a good was one, so, too. Was so oh, that was a film first. No, a, a, a game to film. Oh, okay. That was good. Yeah, yeah. That was good. That's probably up there for Resident me. Resident Evil? I never watched the film, but how was it. that? Yeah, Resident <laughs> Evil, the, the game was incredible, though. Oh, that was, that was a great game. Um, wow. we'll, we'll give we'll give Jack a pass. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I didn't stuff. know any of it. It's just because I'd looked it up before. So yeah. I could tell you the number one was Warcraft, apparently. Oh, four hundred thirty-nine million. Again, this could be completely wrong. Yeah, this is worldwide. Well, just, just list them off. Box list, office list sales. Them off. What else? Uh, number two, Detective Pikachu, twenty nineteen, four hundred thirty-three mil. So I think keep this has already taken over, right? Because yeah, we yeah. already hit four hundred mil. Number three, Rampage. 2018, Bro, what is going on? Sonic the Hedgehog, okay, 2020. Yeah. That, that oh, Sonic it. was incredible, yeah. by the way. That was classic. All right, number five, Angry Birds, 2016. Okay, okay, Tomb so Raider, me... number six. Mortal Kombat, number seven. Resident okay, Evil, Resident Evil, Prince of Persia. So there okay. you go. So we list them off. Uh, I've only seen Mortal Kombat from that list. Maybe this speaks to the quality of video game to a movie. Somebody actually brought up a great point. I think actually, Jack, you even kind of touched on it when you were describing Bilal playing video games in, uh, as an extension of soccer. I think a lot of gamers are like, we would just rather play a good game. 
Like, can oh, you that's invest? True. Yeah, could you just put two hundred million dollars into making like a sicker game, like an extension, rather that's than true. a movie? That's true. It lasts so much longer than yeah, like an hour right? and a half film that you and it's more interactive. Yeah, that's a good point. You know what right. I mean? I watch. Like, go, go ahead, Jack. Bro. I was gonna say I work with the guys that did Blair Witch Project. Oh my god! Oh, which I think is the biggest ROI on a on like it's film that or budget ever. Activity. Yeah, it's wait. You know those guys? So they started an agency after that. It was called Campfire, and the agency I worked with acquired that agency. So I worked on a couple of projects with them. They used to do the most incredible, like a lot of the work they did was like in uh, the production world. So they used to do these like boxes for Game of Thrones. Like before the season would come out, they would build these physical boxes to send to people that were like. There's a map in there. There's a vial of something. There's like, it's like trying to bring the experience of the uh, story out into the real world. And they would send out these packs and stuff, but just amazing experiential marketers. And that's how they got their star was Blair Witch, which I think they spent 40 grand on. And it did, I don't know, it was like 2000X at the box office or something. You know, it's just crazy. Yeah, it was crazy, crazy. dude. I, uh, to, just on Jack's point, I think the only other film that's in the same ballpark is Paranormal Activity. Is these low budget. Horrors. Horrors, right? Yeah. Well, here's a little inside baseball uh, for my failed screenwriting career. Uh, horror travels internationally, right? That's not a shocker. It's like comedy is very localized. It's like Great Dumb point. and Dumber's... Like, oh, well, Dumb and Dumber could probably be pretty globalized because it's so physical, so much physical humor, but a movie like The Big Lebowski, like, that's not going to slap in Vietnam, right? It's like a lot yeah. of inside <laughs> jokes there. So, uh... The uh, I I can I can put a pin on this entire film video game chat. I'll, I'll put it with this is um, so it's actually pretty big renaissance happening the last two years. Blah mentioned Sonic the Hedgehog, The Last of Us. Blah also mentioned earlier, but like The Last of Us was like created to be a film, right? Like the, the, that script was actually tried to be made into a film at first, and then they're like, oh, it didn't work out, so they, they turned it into a game. It's like you see, it's like the two worlds are like getting close enough that, and like you take a story like Zelda or like these. Have you guys ever played those role-playing games? Mm. Super long Zelda's ones. Another, is that a Nintendo yeah. as well? That's Zelda. Nintendo. <laughs> Mate, wow. they have Bro, got the sickest IP library. is insane. So, Zelda, uh, man. That yeah. was a lot of hours I put in Zelda. And it's a great story, right? So I, I, this is my takeaway. Games are so much bigger. Like, just time with you guys about it, realizing, like, i totally the minority on this. Is like, I don't even watch movies anymore. So, like, I'm in the minority of the minority. Like my, co- I think our collective content diet is so different than like the median person. You know what I mean? It's like they're playing yeah. games, they're watching movies, and <laughs> the way yeah. you're talking about it is like these normal people who watch yeah. movies uh, and go to it's the cinema. Think yeah. about, think about oh, the world. I went to the right? movies this weekend. Well, I watched to eight hours of podcast yesterday. It's like that's, the only guy in the worst is listening to eight hours of podcast. No, I mean like we true. I th- I'm reading Paul having... Graham's tweets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this convo has just made me realize how different like our content diet is, and like the honestly the median individual, right? Um, all right, that's good. Well, by the more? way, sorry, I'm on a I'm on a um, AI research role here because you guys just brought up the best ROI films, and I'm just curious. You you said the two Blair Witch, Paranormal Activity, all of these in the top ten, most of them. Are like horrors? Uh, horror horrors, right? It's like Halloween. Yeah. I think was Halloween a horror film? Oh uh, yeah, buddy. The Exorcist, Silence of the Lambs, The Sixth Sense. Oh wow. The, the only they ones sound that are like big budget Sixth films Sense, too. Yeah, well, like, some I of them were, but yeah, but they I just did amazing. Yeah, like for example, The Exorcist cost twelve mil, but brought in four hundred and forty-one mil. <laughs> and, and culturally legendary. Oh right? yeah, Iconic. incredible. 
I can't believe that's 1973 wow, because well, I, bro, I remember growing up where people are like, oh, did you see The Exorcist? And I just assumed it was from the 80s or something. Let me give 90s. a little fun fact, fan about The Sixth Sense. Do Bruce it. Willis, who unfortunately is having some type of dementia now, you guys probably saw it, right? Like, uh, he's completely aged. Like, Alzheimer oh, wow. dementia-esque type of uh, oh, I didn't know that. symptoms, I which is very unfortunate. Uh, I don't know if you noticed, the last four or five years, he's been in a lot of like straight-to-DVD movies or straight-to-streaming that are like, they're awful. And he's in for like one scene just to make the check. And apparently his handlers are like putting in there to like pay bills and it's really fucked up. But I'm bringing up the Sixth Sense because Sixth Sense might be the most money an actor ever made on a single film. And Bruce Willis says, I want points. He he took, I think, a $10 million pay cut with M. Night Shalaham. It's like, I just want back-end. Back-end DVD home video. And can you just mention it? The money that that film made, I think he made over $150 million from that. Yeah, I can see percentage-wise, it's basically nah, the top one according it's to... It's insane, dude. It says it costs 40 mil to make and it and the worldwide box office sales, 672 million. Yeah, I think... I That's think, insane. I think he got 15 to 20% of, of points. Insane. Wow. Okay, so he's he's bonus yeah. from that one. Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, there's some of the... The, the interesting thing is, Trung, you might know better because you've actually written script and you you were working on that TV show stuff. But like the fact that paranormal activity costs fifteen grand. Oh, so this is Blair Witch is sixty k. Fascinating, but paranormal. That's activity. crazy. Like, how is it so low? Well, have you guys seen paranormal? No, dude, I haven't even it, watched it. So. Is, that the one, fucking... is that the one in the one house with the yeah? It's a baby cam. Something? It's basically like a baby wow. cam. It's like a GoPro, and it just looks at one yeah. room. I'm never gonna watch. I don't watch that shit, man. That's just terrifying. Yeah, but yeah, like, uh, but yeah, it's true. I'll tell you the story about paranormal because you you hit it. Fifteen grand to do the first version. Production company bought it. Uh, Bloomhouse did. So Bloomhouse is known for do- taking these huge bets. They made Get Out, uh, that the horror movie. Uh, so oh, they're incredible. Yeah, that's great. They're known to do these like lower budget horrors and like kill it with distribution marketing. But Paranormal is interesting because the production company buys it, reshoots some scenes, and then Steven Spielberg comes in and says, this movie's amazing. I want you to reshoot the ending. So Spielberg comes in, adds his little secret sauce, goes bonkers. So uh, there you guys go. There's a uh, two fun facts from the day. Yo, t- t- you got. I'm. I know this sounds so uh, NIA tech, but I'm just curious. Since we talked about AI video recently and all this, all these like tools and stuff. Obviously, there's gonna be people making like legit films the way we've made them for fifty, hundred years. But do you feel like there's gonna be at some point someone who made a film for? a couple hundred grand, but that was spent on this high leverage, you know, like AI generated videos, like a ben script Tulsa was written. Ben asked it. Yeah. Yeah. Ben, no, ben Tulsa asked a great question. He, he, he looked at this list of the most profitable films ever and he goes, wait a second, what's stopping an AI from doing like a paranormal activity Seriously. like you're saying, right? But yeah. I think this is what's going to happen. You're going to get a movie made for 10, 5, 10 grand. Typically a movie the marketing budget is equal to the production budget. So if you spend $100 million on uh, calling a Marvel film, then you should put $100 million into marketing, which is insane if you think about it. But that's just how it works. I think what's happening is the skew is going to be massive. He'll spend 5000 on an AI flick and then and like then spend $10 crazy million on, on marketing promotion. and distribution yeah. and getting it and making people aware of it. That's basically what happened with Paranormal. I think Paranormal's marketing budget was 18 mil versus 200 grand. I think uh, the Jax guys, Blair Witch, that film was whatever, 50, 60K budget. But yeah, I think 60 the production, marketing, yeah. the marketing on that was in the tens, like five to 10 million. Oh, got it. Okay. That may, I mean, it makes sense because it, 
again, I hate to put it in these terms, but it's like, you're just going to be able to create a lot more MVPs, yeah, essentially, right? Like, oh, of yeah, like yeah. this, I've Shots got an idea. Go. Yeah, I'm going to, I've got like, Trunk's got an idea for a, a movie and he's going to say, oh, I'm going to write the first, first draft of this script. You'll probably use barely.ai no, to uh, speed up your process. AI. Yeah, yeah, I was about to say Bard, but you're right. Barely.ai, AI150 discount code. AI150, get 50% off. But so I, I would say like off. being able to create that is like, like, and if if you put it out, you put it on YouTube, you promote it on your thing, you create yeah. a little trailer, people like it, they don't like it, the algorithm picks up or it doesn't. If they don't, if it doesn't, you, all right, it didn't work. But it's just the fact that you're able to create these like concepts and maybe it wouldn't be a full one and a half hour movie maybe you create a short first and there's like trailer. a concept for it yeah yeah and maybe it's a smart version would be a mixture like i personally i think the best ones would be you're using maybe you're getting paid actors to actually do certain parts but you're also using this stuff to you know increase your like velocity Jack's essentially actually, Jack's calls great imagine you just start popping out trailers and like Oh yeah, that's like a typical true. thriller. It's like so, Kickstarter type thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's ones, a good yeah. point. You don't that's even a have great the idea, magic man. mop. You just made a trailer for it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, they're interested in magic mop. <laughs> don't know why I'll that came to my head, yeah. but yeah. I'll tell you the funny thing about trailers is, uh, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but trailers now are so typically a trailer should give away about ten to fifteen percent of the movie's plot. But like now, because people have such short attention spans, you watch a trailer and they'll give away like. The they'll give away basically like the, the whole ending plot. or like the whole yeah. plot. So you're like, what is going on here? Well, the worst is when the, this it's a comedy, but all the best parts were all in the, the 30 second trailer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, that's fine. The they got a good day. No, go ahead, Jack. So, I was just saying, they got to compete. Like, you got to use all your best stuff up front to win the yeah, attention war, right? Sucks, like, man. It's, it's tough, dude. It's like, it's like the Yelp five star restaurant thing right it's like the if you get into that feedback loop and you're a restaurant that's like you know underneath the top competitor in whatever that thing is you just disappear like the way the internet aggregates oh, attention yeah. yeah crazy crazy um all right boys all right, that was great that was anything meaty. else on that before we talk about europe versus us for technology nope, specifically nope, no. that was a good chat i didn't know we were going to go in those directions but i like it um let me pull up paul graham's tweet i think this was this paul graham's one yeah. yes i have a quick look here paul graham um, of y combinator the startup incubator a silicon valley icon yeah there we go will. he had a few banger tweets recently yeah, he was well out of back as... and forth for elon too all right here we go can you guys see that yeah and, Jack's went for a little walk, but uh, we got uh, Paul Graham says the four biggest French companies are all fashion brands. Read Number it one, off. LVMH, $452 billion. I, I'm assuming this is a market cap, yeah? Yeah. Number two, L'Oreal. Number three, Hermes. Number four, Dior. Number five, Total Energies. Number six, Sanofi. I don't even know how to say that. Yeah. Uh, Schneider Electric is next. Air Liquide. Yep. Um, my GCSE French coming in hot there. And then next one is Luxottica, right? Is that yeah, the, the eyewear? The eyewear brand, right? Yeah. So, and then BMP every glasses company, right? They're like yeah. holding companies for everything. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, so the top, so the biggest four French companies are all fashion brands. So, yeah, I mean. So, when you see that, well, let's, let's do some interpretation. When you see that tweet, because he's just posting it and obviously he's trying to send a message. So, I'll give context. He sent that tweet a day after. Uh, or the same day that Germany and France both announced that they might 
block ChatGPT, or they did. Uh, a week earlier, Italy had blocked ChatGPT, and they did it around data privacy. And the context we'll give for listeners and viewers is this. Uh, Europe's place in the global tech game is this. China has its own internet with internet giants, Alibaba, Tencent, ByteDance, right? We've discussed those on the show. ByteDance owns TikTok. Uh, it needs to get banned. Uh, the United States has obviously Thang, Thang, like Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, Google, and uh, companies of that nature. The giants, the, the world biggest companies in the world. Europe is in this middle ground. This is the context. And for the last three decades, as all these internet giants have grown up, Asia has built internet giants. America has built internet giants. The largest tech company in Europe is SAP, which is basically European Oracle. Its market cap is about $200 billion, which is embarrassing. <laughs> well, the, the other tech player of that size is ASML, which creates the machines, which creates semiconductors. So anybody that knows Taiwan Semiconductor Company, which makes the chips across the board, your iPhone, for the cars, for any electronics, they have to buy this machine from the Netherlands. So this company is worth about $300 billion. So just to put this in context, uh, Bilal did a list of the top four, uh, 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 top 10 French companies. That was French, yeah. yeah that, I'm listing off the top 10 European ones. LVMH, ASML, L'Oreal, Hermes, Similar, SAP, Total Energies, Sanofi, AB InBev, Dutch Telecom. Apple is bigger than all these companies combined. So that's Ooh. the context, right? Yeah. That is the context for, I think, Paul Graham's tweet. I think he's basically saying, okay, you guys are banning uh, uh, AI. Well, yeah, you know, there's an argument to ban AI. I mean, the, I think there's some uh, a credence to like- Well, and then, sorry, this was Toby, uh, the founder of Shopify posted yeah. this, right? What did we he were say? Talking about this. So Zero Hedge had written, Germany considers banning chat GPT over data privacy issues. And then he, basically quote tweeted that and said, Germany tragically missed all AI machine learning. This kind of nonsense definitely will not uh, help catch up. And then, I can't remember if it was, oh Read yeah, this is tweet. one of my, yeah. so this is one of my favorite tweets. Allegedly 36% of German babies' first word is Datenschnitt, which I think is uh, data privacy or something what? like that. I think it's data privacy or something like that. All right, so, but basically okay. the joke is that the only thing that's been added by Germany to the tech ecosystem, which or I don't Europe. fully agree with, Regulation. or Europe, are those annoying, you know, accept yeah. cookie banners yeah. or yeah. the most so, prominent ones. I will say there's also obviously good, like, you know, Spotify came from Europe. There's plenty of companies that have come from there, but not at the same scale as Apple, Google, well, etc. Can you describe GDPR? Because you're in the digital ad game. What oh, is man. the relevancy of it? Give, give it TLDR. I just, gave, I just got a little chills there. But yeah, okay. GDPR is just, again, all this privacy stuff. So General just think data of, of privacy. Yeah. Regular, right? So yeah, what does it mean? I can't remember all the details of it now. I've blocked it out of my memory, to be honest. But basically, they created these rules, and that's why you saw all of these like banners across the internet that accept cookies. It was like opting in to cookies versus just automatically dropping cookies or something along those lines. And then we had the equivalent in the US. We had uh, uh, what was it called? Again, I've forgotten the, the name of this. But there was there was another version of this that came later. Um, and all the Apple kind of privacy stuff that we've talked about on the show as well. And so basically we've gone from a world where as digital marketers or people that create businesses on the internet, you can, before you could have a Facebook pixel, you could have a Google pixel and collect all this data in the background. And that helped personalize ads and like make them more relevant for people. And the that's a positive take. The negative take is it was tracking people. It was like, you know, not good for their privacy, et cetera. 
Um, so that's kind of the the conflict that's that's been going on for some time. And now we've got to a point where it's it's becoming like if you're a small business, it's become harder to operate on the internet, in my opinion, because of these laws. Um, and you can argue if that's right or wrong, but you're like for if you're like a little small e-commerce business selling hoodies or selling like t-shirts like previously you could create a great product create a shopify you know website for 20 dollars a month or whatever it is and basically start driving traffic from facebook and other places at 10 dollars a day 100 dollars a day and probably get it to be profitable and now that is much harder to do that's because my you can't, opinion. Because you can't target the exact audience, yeah, right? Yeah, it just becomes harder to personalize those ads in the same way you could previously and also measure how effective they were, understand analytics, that sort of stuff. Jack, so, has it affected your ability to run VV? We haven't done any paid ads. We tried, like, done gonna say, yeah. little experiments here and there. You don't but, need like, it. So probably not. You got probably distribution. I mean, it, it's, been, it's been affected by, like, organic algorithmic change stuff we never did anything like hyper like this person gets this message and that message then you put them down this we have like a couple email sequences that are like um yeah they're just the 10 of the same emails but the, the degree of sophistication you can put into like the logic on the back end of all that stuff and Bilal knows this way better than i do is like uh it's pretty powerful. Um, yeah, they're pretty powerful tools. And Apple, this is an Apple thing as well as a Facebook thing too, right? Is the yeah, it was like basically iOS update. Yeah, iOS was blocking you from being able to do a lot of this tracking, and so GDPR came before that, and uh, that was the kind of law that allowed people to Although have more Apple's, control over their data or well, whatever. What's funny is that every single person listening to this has clicked, yeah, I'll accept the cookies. Like, you're not dealing, yeah, I'm yeah. not dealing, I want to read this content. Give me the cookies. You yeah, exactly. Me. Let me read this content. Exactly, yeah, yeah. So it's anyway. Yeah, it's interesting, like a, like a formality that is like kind of, makes no massive difference, but, you know. Well, this is this is the argument with uh, with Europe, right? This is, I think, what Paul got to bring up. It's like their only lever is as a regulator they're like we're going to regulate because we have so europe the e so europe uh, i think 27 countries or 30 countries has the same economy size as the united states of america right so that collective the continent is comparable to america uh, in terms of economic activity so they're like okay let's just wield this hammer where we're like okay we're going to shut you out of our market if you don't follow our rules and like listen to Bella's point there's credence to both sides of the argument. It's like, yeah, you want to protect users. Uh, uh, you don't want anti-competitive things because Google and the EU have been in at odds quite a bit over anti-competition stuff. Like EU, I think Google had to change some Android stuff and how they did uh, restaurant reviews or like uh, uh, kind of their uh, store reviews around EU laws. So that's EU's kind of cudgel. And then whether or not the AI, the a regular AI is one whole question, but this is just another thread of like Europe like, what's your contribution to tech, right? And um, so I did pull something up. I, I love to query you guys on this because you grew up there, obviously. But now you love Trust, just before America. you bring that, can I say yeah. one extra thing? Another lens of this is employee, is employee. So I think, I can't remember if it was Tene or someone else on Twitter had shared this. And I think I shared it in DMs with you guys. But it was essentially a screenshot of, you know, Wall Street Journal or whatever, talking about Google or Facebook trying to 
you know, let go of employees in Europe and how much harder it was versus US. And for example, in front, like I know from speaking to people right now, the layoffs that happened at Google, you know, three to six months ago, whatever it was, probably three months ago, like that, that same layoff is just not happening in Europe because there's more regulations. You can't just let people go that quickly. Labor laws are way Labor more laws are beneficial to the employees. To the, exactly. And so there was a big debate on Twitter about that because like a lot of people in American lens who were entrepreneurial said, this is why we can't build stuff in Europe. Like how, how can you expect us to create stuff where we can't fire someone for over a year, uh, which is basically the case in, in France, I believe. It's like really hard to do it there. Um, and then the, in the comments, rightly so, I guess you could argue both ways, but someone else said, well, don't you think it's good that they're looking out for employees, not just yeah. the business owners, which is a fair point of view as well. So I think that's another lens. It's about, you know, building businesses, but it's also about like citizens and livelihood no, of people I mean, as well. I, I think you nailed that. I think you, you brought up exactly what I was going to talk about. It's like, what are the conditions of why, why is it that America has these fang companies? Why are they, were they able to dominate the internet? What, how come how come Europe never made a Google? Well, Europe, well, Europe tried. In the mid-2000s, the French and German governments tried to launch something called Quero. They, they committed 400 million euros to launch a, a, a European search engine. They said they wanted to build the Airbus of search engines. So for people who don't know, Airbus was built as a French-German collaboration to compete with Boeing and now oh, from America. So Boeing and Airbus are the two main aircraft manufacturers in the world. So Europe's like, well, Google's cool. What if we made our own Google? Except Sergey and Larry are making Google, and then now you got a couple of government bureaucrats with $400 million. That's not going to get the job done, right? But I think, Bilal, you bring a good point is, and there are arguments on both sides. I think the service gets so heated, right? He's like, oh, well, you yeah. know what? Healthcare is cool. Like that, That's kind yeah, of the reaction, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, that's basically, and, yeah. and it, then it becomes very much just like it's my territory over yeah. yours and like oh, my flag your over yours. Versus... Oh, your government doesn't take care of your people. Like you guys don't have yeah. universal healthcare like that. So like these are all relevant. So I'll, I'll list off a couple of things uh, from this article. This is from The Guardian talking about why Europe hasn't been able to make uh, like kind of a big tech uh, giant. So they say, well, part of it is it luck. Is it luck in the sense of Silicon Valley uh, started uh, ahead of conglomeration of a year uh, of research institutions? So you have like Caltech, you have like Berkeley, and then you have like Stanford with uh, with uh, with industry, right? And then Silicon Valley is obviously the Silicon in Silicon Valley was because of Intel and Fairchild Semiconductors built around semiconductor chips. So you kind of had this path dependence where this entire industry just started because they caught the wave of semiconductors, right? Which led to computing. So there's that part. And then you had Apple, uh, Microsoft. Microsoft obviously is up in uh, Seattle, but Apple came out of the region uh, in the 70s. But the whole point is like, okay, is there just luck involved here where they had this region that was very good for commerce and there's research institutions? So it's part of it. But I think a lot of it's just path dependence because what ended up happening is, you guys remember in the 2000s, Skype was a massive, massive, uh, yeah, was huge, right? And... Um, uh, Skype's from Estonia. Have you been to Estonia, Jack? No. no. Oh, dude, it, it's bothered. So for all our Estonia listeners, I'm a big fan of Estonia. Uh, I went to, went to Tallinn for three nights. Uh, that's when I met Flower Shirt Guy, if you guys remember our oh, callback. No. Yeah. <laughs> of course. But, but Skype, uh, kind of the argument was that like Europe had never created this like kind of venture capital industry uh, in the early 2000s and late 90s that had started in the United States in the 60s and 70s, like Arthur Rock invested into Intel and Apple uh, to start this as a VC industry. So basically what happened was like Skype's growing. It could have been a major player, but it gets bought out by Microsoft. 
uh, it didn't have the same pension system in Estonia or European uh, 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 massive funds to invest and in, keep it uh, local and uh, grow yeah. it. So there's that argument. And then the last thing I'll add is, that was a big one. Oh, Zendesk is also uh, 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 European uh, and never really blew up. Bookings was a Dutch company. And I have a theory. Yep, hit it. I think the, the like, the thing that maybe hinders the like early network effects is the like single country distribution to begin with. Because uh... no country gets anywhere near the scale of the states, right? Like if you're launching a well, call, consumer call product booking, in the right? state, well, like just say right. bookings is from Netherlands. What's the mm, that's what's a good point, the, yeah. like? I don't know. What's the population of the Netherlands sub 100 million yeah way yeah, it's probably that, like probably 20 like or something 20, 30, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah no idea but the yeah what 330 in the states it's like even a like bad idea can probably get more traction numbers wise than a good idea in a country that has a tenth of the population and then it has to probably for regulation sake has to like find traction and like you know, do well there for it to expand out into other countries. Whereas here, like you're already playing with a 10 times the size market. It's interesting. And I think, Jack, that's interesting because I guess that's partly the idea of the EU originally was to create less barriers between the different yeah. countries, borderless. But then you've got like how many different languages there's, there's language in barriers. Right, right. You're absolutely it's right. It's cultural yeah, 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 and yeah. language barriers. It's like, you know, the, yeah. So that's a big actually. difference. But I mean, actually, Trung, the Booking.com example is is a good one because they're actually a legit, you know, publicly traded company. I believe. You know, Priceline, though, US company. Priceline, you're right, you're yeah. right, right. And and I feel I've said this on the pod before, but they were the biggest uh, client of Google for a long oh, time. Yeah. They might still be huge, right? Like ten billion dollars a year. Uh, yeah, they spent crazy money travel. because they basically bid on anything travel related. That they're bidding on now, hotel related. So um, the thing with like. It's not like they can't come out of Europe. It's just that we've seen so many less examples. And and I think what you mm-hmm. said earlier, I think the word luck is the word that was used in the Guardian icon, or like they were asking, is it luck? Uh, there's also this old theory I remember from school called cluster theory. I don't know if you guys ever heard of that. You yeah, cluster cl- around these areas like... Uh, yeah, like Boston Coffee. is one example where you've got MIT, like the academics. Harvard, yeah. Exactly. And then Silicon Valley was a perfect example of that. You've got the academic side. And then because of that, Companies start there, venture capitalists come there, and it becomes a but small London, ecosystem. London, bro, Oxford, Cambridge, you you see how like you guys have like the design is like the smartest thing to come make, out of that region, right? But they for finance, make regulators for the most part, don't they? Like they produce like government employees. What do you mean, like employees. lawyers? Like lawyers? Like 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 the oh, like Eaton and like I don't know, Bilal probably correct me what like on no, this. No, no, that's right. The uh, Cambridge Oxford graduate to me doesn't have the same reputation as like the MIT or the See, Stanford yeah. graduate. Yeah. Right? You go into a bureaucracy like you go, and then... Yeah, you go into some like high society infrastructure of government yeah. or like big bank or it's not like that's you're going to go point. to your well, that, garage that's a great and start because... a, a semi, you know, a semiconductor manufacturing thing. But I think, Jack, I think that's a really good point, but I think that's also like a delay almost like, because for me, it's like the Silicon Valley and the US was, well, really Silicon Valley has been the first to go for technology, right, for the last like 40, 50 years. And and so if you're comparing Oxford, Cambridge to Harvard, that would probably be similar, right? Because like in mm. the UK, the primary industry was like finance. 
So if you go to a good school like Oxford, Cambridge, LSE, UCL, Imperial, etc., most of the time you are going there because you're not, they're not churning out entrepreneurs, right? Most higher education institutions aren't made for that, even in the US. Um, whereas like the culture in the US, especially in the Stanford or MIT was, you know, I don't even know Stanford if that was always like that or if it was more in recent times, our last few decades. MIT obviously is, you know, yeah. about technology. What's so it it's called? been Route like that. 28 was the name of the research so, uh, highway. It was one of the, I'm butchering, but listeners yeah. correct me. But yeah, it's so, about inventing stuff, right? Like that's it, the the core difference. But that, but the thing is, Jack, I guess we think of inventing stuff as like technology nowadays primarily. But you know, Oxford, I'm not just bigging it up because I'm English too. But a lot of like academic inventions came out of that in air quotes, right? From discoveries, you know, sure. discoveries, mathematics, medicine, and yeah. medicine, exactly. So different science. And technology Disclaimer, from back Bilal in the day. Is a UK citizen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not trying. Um, I'm not trying to dig on it either. Yeah, no, I'm just like the the difference is fascinating. Of like, no, just, it definitely uh, fell like, off though. Let's be honest. It's like it's yeah, all enough fair. compared to the rest of the the world. Like, I mean, UK specifically. Like, I'm still obviously a big fan, and I want them to do well. But like, with what's happened in the last like ten years, I'm not looking at UK and being like, oh, they're that's what I'm going to go to to find that new. Discovery. Well, dude, like, we it talked about like it that with anymore. Burton when he was on his, why did you guys leave? Like, why aren't you in the UK, point. right? Like, why aren't, yeah. you worked in Google London, but why aren't you still there? Like, Exactly. To- well, the reason is because there's more opportunity from, like, you know, in the, the ideas that changed our lives episode, we talked a little bit about this. Like, when, I'm, when I was younger in my career and in my life, early 20s, I was like, I can now point myself in a direction which I'm going to optimize for career business growth like that's that's what i care about and in my 40s i might say the opposite and say oh i did what i need to do in the u.s and maybe i want to go and chill in europe and like be a bit more you know have a better work-life balance and like drink olive oil in the field sort of vibe so it's just like a different kind of well, mindset what do you do by today? That just drinking olive oil in the just field sipping, man. just yeah. sipping on olive oil oh, yeah <laughs> but no so i mean it is that right like the reason i'm sure jack you're the same like the reason we moved there was because we felt there's more opportunity working business wise right like maybe it's fun as well maybe we weren't thinking that deeply about it and it's different for us in the same way yeah, it's just a, there are yeah, a change a change and there are americans that move abroad for that reason too right like they go to europe because they're like having a great time well like, like emily in paris style or guess but, last yeah. week's like i still lived in italy and yeah. look how much like more insightful and like thoughtfully that's usable true. life than I am. Right? That's true. That's true. So yeah, that, that's a good point. Like we definitely have this bias towards like coming to America and like all the good things. There are plenty of things here which I don't like either, but I accept the flaws for the upside, and that's why I still remain here. Um, and then the other tr- truthful thing is, it's like your life kind of catches up with you, right? Like if you're single and you live on your own, you can do what you want, and you just want to move back, you can do that. Whereas like if you're married to an American like Jack is or basically me, that's a different that's a different story, right? Then your practicality takes over and you're like, well, now we live in between both our families and like there's upside here for these reasons. So that's kind of why I rem- remain here. But it doesn't mean like I-, I think you could go to Europe now or anywhere else in the world and live a great life and like actually run a small to medium sized business pretty well because I think remote work allows you to do that but if I was trying to build a VC backed startup that's gonna like become huge 
or at least create a network that would allow me to do that in the future. Like you want to be here, right? Like there's no denying that. Now, I, I guess the question is, would you now say maybe Asia is going to become that? Like where- Well, you're talking about you're... super clusters, right? Well, that's why China, to Jack's point, China's a massive internal market. They, they block their internet. They have a billion plus people. There's a reason why Tencent, Alibaba, and ByteDance are massive. They have a captive but, market. But then at the same time, there's that individual upside that you get here, you don't necessarily get in the same way in China, it seems like, from the outside without- Well, no, no, that's, well, that's it. Go ahead, Jack. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's a, that's a good question, boys. We gotta do a, uh, gotta do a world tour. A world tour <laughs> Yeah, <rep>? exactly. <laughs> um, Jack, anything else on the Europe side that you want to add? With your experience moving in? No, just the, the fashion thing is like, I guess exporters of culture is kind of a thing I've been fascinated with for years. Is like, what is the pre, what is the primary export of a country? And like, how that, how does that line up to basically the public companies that represent what they export? And America is like yeah. a media exporter, right? And if like Europe is a, maybe a taste exporter or maybe a like some culture if you want to export yeah, yeah. Well, so it's interesting how that's we, reflected in companies yeah jack that's a good point because we this question like the premise of it was that tech is better which in some ways it is because it is creating new things market but cap well, i think that was market cap well, yeah but company size that's a good point but even market cap we've seen in the last few well the last year market cap is a big proponent of a big variable in that is how much the P ratio is exactly is basically of the what the market values whatever Jim Powell right? decides it's worth exactly. Whereas you could say the reason our old matey over there is the you know richest man in the world again, right? Or no, is now the richest man ag again. I think. Slow down, slow down. Well, it changes you, you every know, day. I can but it's Boys. but it's like the Lindy effect, right? Like the, the people are always going to have luxury goods. They're always going to want expensive stuff. There's always going to be a segment of society that wants that, and they're going to be there's less variance in how they're going to value a company like that. Whereas Google, Apple, Facebook, there's going to be more variance because of it's dependent on interest rates a bit more. But I, I don't know. Boys, Maybe I'm bringing a master. Go on. No, no, no. You're not at all. You're not at all. So I'm going to bring in the 30k Bitcoin sailor analogy right now just to wrap Here this section go. up <laughs> so there is a video i think that trung shared of sailor that we shared privately like last year or year before that we're talking about apple as a luxury good like the iphone is a luxury good i think oh, he compa compares it to, to a louis vuitton handbag or something some like high-end handbag it and was louis vuitton like, handbag they have created a luxury good that sits a layer above any one particular luxury good. And that's a great that point. Henceforth, they have the biggest like network in the world. A and cyber high yeah. hornet encrypted wall of energy. Yeah. <laughs> et cetera. <laughs> no, you know that's what? a great point. That's a great point. Well, uh, you know what we should do? Well, let's do this because every time we throw in a silly clip, people just freaking lose their mind. I'm sending you the clip right now. Let's play it. It was like worth $3 billion 12 years ago and then went to $600 billion. If you ask me, Apple Computer is going to $2,000 a share, right? I mean, I'd be very, very long in that company. Whoever's selling that stock must be a moron, right? I mean, this, this is a company that's going to actually have 4 billion devices out there. If they roll them over once every four years, they're going to sell a billion devices a year. 
And, and the thing that people uh, they don't get, right? You either get it or you don't get it. I sat with, uh, you know, one of the ten richest guys in the world for dinner three nights ago, five nights ago, and we had dinner for four hours, and he did half the talking, I did half the talking, and, at one, and he's much more successful than I am. I understand that, by the way. As I said, it's like, it's, you don't, sometimes you've got to do other things than just have opinions to make money, right? There's a lot of execution involved in the rest, but I have opinions. So, <laughs> so he said to me, you know, Apple computer, can these guys hold their prices, you know? Aren't, you know, aren't they going to follow the model of the PC industry? Aren't their prices going to taper down? Their 40% margins going to become 30 and 35 and 20? And it's another example of people just know enough to hurt themselves, right? If you're going to know a subject, you better know the subject because being like a you know, dilettante and knowing part of the subject is just enough to hurt yourself somehow. And I said, no, they, they gross margins don't have to tailor down. I mean... If you go to France, and this is the benefit of seeing enough, you go to France, you see Bernard Arnault runs a company, LVMH. They're selling handbags for $4,000, $3,000, $2,500 each. This is a device that women view as fashion, and it's 10,000 years old. And for 10,000 years, no, the prices are not lower after 10,000 years. If you actually care about this thing, the truth of the matter is, is when the technology goes from being a utilitarian vocational brick that I put under my desk, no one gives a crap about that, to being a, a piece of clothing, right? A fashion statement, um, uh, extension of your personality, a piece of jewelry. And iPhones, iPads, they're, they're somewhere between clothing and jewelry and, and uh, accessory. At that point, they can hold that price point forever. All right, cool. That was great. Anything else, boys? Uh, this has been a great, great chat already. Uh, great so, segment. Great segment. Uh, said, uh, just just one thing I was just going to Go on, Jack. Go on. Yeah, let's, the, the caption on that video is amazing. It says, Michael Saylor in 2012, making the long-term bull case for Apple. No beard, but still very good. <laughs> Dude, he's no gr- beard. <laughs> he's grizzled now. Um, uh, killer that. Right. Yeah, killer let's, do, let's do a quick segment. I think he's in finally in profit. On that, yeah. on those, He's up. On those mic strategy wait, buys. Michael Saylor's back up on the Bitcoin. Back in the green, baby. I, I think he owns wow. own one out of one every 150 Bitcoin in the world. He'll, he's going to own close that to 1% right. of the supply. Um, sounds right. I just do a quick segment that we're doing preamble uh, before this episode. It's yeah. just like a, we're just dopamine. talking about Twitter. We were saying, uh, I think Jack asked me, Shrunk, how's that dopamine doing? Yeah, do- well, exactly what Jack said was, how are those dopamine receptors doing? That was uh, Jack's. Yeah. Jack, this pretty, is how we talk to each other, not even on camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I had a pretty viral week the last week, and yeah, it's all good, man. I'll be honest with you, it's all good. It's like, uh, you know, dopamine, the purpose of dopamine is to be a motivator to do take actions. Uh, it's just been completely hijacked by our smartphones and social media. To I'm, I'm reading a lot about, a, I'm reading a book called Addic- Addiction by Design. It's about the development of slot machines. So I'll give you guys a couple of TR, d- nice. TLDRs. We'll do a, t- a d- deeper dive on it. Here's nice chill facts. Sunday reading on drugs. Yeah, yeah, drugs. Yeah, it's incredible. You know, I need to read. Yeah, how slot addiction by design. <laughs> yeah, I actually was reading incredible. it on Sunday, but uh, I'll tell you guys, there's something interesting happened in the in the 70s. The most popular casino games were card games, roulette, blackjack, uh, craps. I to this day, those are the only games I play, primarily blackjack. But around the 1980s, two things happened. The U.S. government uh, wanted to start regulating gambling, taking it away from the the, the uh, mafia, and they renamed it gaming. 
And as part of their renaming of it, this incentivized casinos to be like, okay, we need a new makeover and rebranding gaming. So what are we going to do? We're going to go and push the gaming machines, which are the slot machines, right? We're going to make the slot machines more like gaming machines. And so like, it's a, it's basically a euphemism. It's the gambling industry. It's not the gaming industry. You know how they call the gaming industry? That's Super the worst. Smash Bros. Super yeah. Smash Bros, dude. <laughs> yeah. it's, a, it's an absolute euphemism. But the whole point is that the gaming industry uh, now is 80% slots. It's that like, adult entertainment. We yeah, all know what exactly. it is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 80%, if you go to no, Vegas, 80% it, right? of the yeah. revenue. You know when you see it. 80% of the revenue are these machines. And uh, the sad part, I'll just leave one thing about the book. Addiction by Design, they talk to the, the, the development of these. So they think about everything, right? The sounds that come out of these machines, the, uh, the, the way you interact with it. And uh, this is the sad part. And we'll do deeper dive later. The people that are addicted to these machines, they aren't even trying to win money. They, when you when you talk to them, they're trying to get into the zone, and literally that's what these gaming machines do. You sit there, they literally design the seats so you don't fall asleep and you're engaged. Like the seat design is made perfectly, so like you're perfectly engaged and can do the the the, the listeners. I'm like touching the camera on my screen, like the like hitting the uh, uh, give me some uh, numbers motion. But you read these, you actually read about the people. No one wants to win money. They're literally addicted to the motion of playing cards and like getting these dopamine rewards of uh, uh, variable rewards. You don't know when you're going to win. And But the whole point is, the, way, the reason I'm bringing that up is like this dopamine stuff, man. It's like that. I was reading this and I'm like, oh, that's literally what's happening to me with my phone. It's like, I'll be on Twitter sometimes and I'll go so deep, like just refreshing the notifications. And like, 30 minutes will go by and I'm like, what the fuck did I just do? So yeah. You know what's, it, you I, know what's crazy? If good. you look at that thing out of focus too, it looks like a slot machine. Like if you look yeah. at your like notifications tab from right. across the room, it's like yeah. colorful dots, this line, nuts row, colorful dots. That is the That's same. That's not a coincidence, like, mate. Yeah, it's not they a coincidence. They read that book too. And the little yeah. brrrr, you know, the brrrr. The, the sound, yeah. The refresh thing. Well, that oh, infinite scroll, to rolling, your point. Right? Yeah, it's rolling, right? That in, they said that the guy that designed the infinite scroll like increased engagement by like, but like, it doesn't end, right? It does, this is why TikTok yeah, is yeah, so Yeah, pressing the button. Every it, time you press the no button, end. you're like, do I really need to look at another yeah. page, right? It, dude, yeah, yeah, something. yeah, that's it, yeah. Dude, Jack, you nailed it. This is why, actually, this is what's so interesting it's about the It's the lid on the machines. M&M jar when we talked about the, uh, <laughs> yeah, the yeah, M&M yeah. thing. It's yeah. like, oh, it's that friction. Oh, yeah. oh I need to actually do this no, versus dude, this just isn't, M&Ms to the dome. You know what I mean? This isn't even yeah. a joke, man. <laughs> <laughs> the M&Ms to the dome. <laughs> it's just another fist small Malau. I have yeah. the yeah. lid, so I just, Bro, I don't want to go stale. That's not even a joke, man, because you know how when you do the slot machines, the coins used to come out? And like hit like a metal thing, you know, you hit it, you get all the coins come, you win. They're like, we have to get rid of that because that introduces a feeling of finality. It's like, oh, I hit the slot machine, I've won. My adventure today, my narrative today is over. That's why they're like, we gotta go full digital. This narrative never ends. And then you, you cannot... invent crypto. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then you, you have these puns. There can't be a moment, AI. right? There can't be a moment when you get off the ride. Like that's the point. It's like, if, there, if you introduce any moment, like Blau said, with like the M&Ms, if you introduce any friction where you can stop that ride, people will literally snap out of their their uh, their zone, their their like whatever it is. That's why TikTok is actually the worst. It never ends. And Blau has spoken about this. That's it's why like, it's the best it never as well. Ends, yeah, right? it's terrible. No, I, I I have to forcibly, I put the 15-minute uh, 
what's it called? Like the limits. Oh, for and all, hit, oh the screen hits. And then also all jokes aside, I think I'm gonna delete like for example like Twitter, I might just keep on desktop yeah. soon. Because I, I even though do that. like to, to, um, Twitter, like I still enjoy it and I, I will use it, but I just find I go on there mainly because I get notifications. Like even for our like DM chat, I'll ask you guys just mm -hmm. to WhatsApp me instead. Because then I'm like, oh, I, I might miss something that's relevant to the show or like something I will find interesting. But it's kind of like right now, I feel every time I go on there, I'm just, I'm not really gaining the same way yeah. I did in the past. And so it's, I just want to break it for a bit. And your ability to like physically walk away from it too. Like if it's associated that's with true. like your desk, as opposed to like it being in your pocket, wherever you go. Like I've had moments like that too. Like last few weeks, I'm like, I've been traveling. I go home, and I'm like on my on my phone, like in the park. I'm like, what the, f what am I doing right now? Yeah, 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 yeah. What You're right. Jack, have you? Is it? It's not just Twitter, though, right? You got other numbers going up. It's mostly Twitter. Like everything okay. comes through Twitter eventually. You know, like that all like aggregates there. Um, but yeah, yeah. This man, this is a hard thing to train yourself to do to to get on the uh leaving the phone at home is the only way that i get ever, out of it yeah yeah yeah. yeah. just like physically home, separate yourself go for four hours but the thing is like i'll come home and like be in it for 30 minutes inhale like, yeah you, got, just oh, like, you gotta go back yeah and my, my, my mother will be like like i'll just go sit in the bathroom and i'll literally just be there 30 minutes she's like are you st like literally she's like, are you still in the bathroom I'm like yeah i gotta catch up she's like it's been 30 minutes yeah, that's it's that's like, mad. Yeah, because if you try to describe or explain that's what wild. you're catching up on, like it, what yeah. are you catching up it, on? It, I just got to see what Paul Graham tweeted this afternoon. Yeah. I have. Yeah. <laughs> Why? And you're talking fire, about the Paul Graham just yeah. burned Elon Musk on Twitter. That's literally what's going on. Yeah, no, but man. I will say it's the only way. Feedback, I think you, like all jokes aside, I think it is really good to have the. Um, like I put that limit, which even I, I often will like extend the limit, which is fine. But just it's that interrupt. It's like, oh, I'm like, oh, now I don't need it. Like, otherwise you're it's just completely coins, going. Bro. It's, it's the, the coins, It's the cover on the M&Ms. Yeah. And I, honestly, I don't even feel that negative about it nowadays. Like I, I basically have that 15 minute a day for each app from the morning. So like I'm by like 10 a.m., I've already hit them all pretty much probably. And so, no, but then I, I get that thing and I'm like, oh, I don't even need to look at this. Yeah, but and, you hit your I, password though, right? Enter you your do password, hit the password, yeah, yeah. But, but I'm okay with like opting in, but but like if I'm just on it all the time, I just, I don't really feel good from it. So I'm just, yeah. I'm just limiting it. And especially since I'm not really posting on Twitter like you guys are, it's a lot easier for me to do that because I can afford to just like completely log off of it sort of thing. Um, all right, boys, anything else before we wrap it up here? I think that was a good episode. Um, well, I'm about so to get some dopamine in the form of caffeine. Caffeine. Oh, nice. I, well, nice. I, I will say that um, that Huberman Lab episode on dopamine. Did you either oh, of you ever listen to that? It's so good. It's really good. It really helped me understand, like re, like to contextualize what it is. Um, it's it's worth listening to. I, I let, would recommend. Let me give one takeaway from that, Jack. Have you listened to it? No. Yeah, he has a great part, uh, which I think all of us are guilty of. He calls it dopamine stacking or something of that nature, where like if you go to the gym, you listen to music, you get two forms of dopamine, right? That pre-workout yeah. and the caffeine. And, and caffeine. So basically when you go to the gym, you're introducing three forms of dopamine. And his argument is like, you shouldn't stack them because you may not want to do that activity if you don't have all three things, right? So like, imagine you didn't have your phone one day and then you're like, oh shit, I need to work out today. And you're like, ah, never mind, I'm not going to do it because I don't have that other dopamine. Like because running is, gives dopamine. 
but you stacked your dopamine so your body is used to having both at the same time. So if you don't have like yeah. the phone, you might not even do the activity which you should have been motivated to do with the serotonin after Regardless. Run. Yeah. I right. would say that I agree with that. The only thing I'd say is if it gets you to do the positive thing more often, I, I think sure. it's okay. I think that means, like for me, it's like I'll go work out more or exercise more because if I'm in a gym for an hour without music, like yeah, I'm, I, do, I well, could I, do it, yeah. but it's, I'm not going to go as often. And I'd, I want to encourage that behavior. And I also am listening to like ridiculous stuff nowadays in the gym. It's like, I, I can't listen to podcasts in the gym anymore because it's like, it doesn't get me hyped anymore. So I have to listen to most ridiculous, stupid shit. Stormzy, like, Stormzy. Like, yeah, music or like we got David Goggins going, just like absolutely ridiculous shouting at you vibes. Not Damn shouting, me. but just like absolute beast mode. And uh, yeah, but if it gets me to go, obviously I'm semi-joking, but like that to me is like the one of the most positive things in my day. So if it helps me to get yeah, there yeah, more I'm not, often, I'm not I'll, saying, I, I understand his argument, but I can't do it either. But I get it with other activities, like with studying. Definitely. Like sometimes studying, you'll need like the caffeine and you'll need the music. I'm like, that's you're probably right, not right. the best because now yeah. you're reliant on that. Uh, the last thing I'll add based on what Bilal said was, there is no better piece of content on the internet then 15 minutes of David Goggins on YouTube cut to some classical music. Yeah, in the yeah. Like, so, <laughs> you can't Yo, do it. You, you know why? Uh, he's so ridiculous. Snatches. Oh. You guys remember Eric Thomas? Do you remember that guy? Wait, that no. sounds familiar, but who is that? Like, the last thing is Eric Thomas. Is that a musician? No, he's a motivational speaker. Oh, no, no. Then, then no. There was like, uh, he used to have these great youtube videos man when i was like 17 or something i was used to watch sharing with the sharing with the boys i'll send you a love it all right all right let's get one those in the show notes um all right boys that was great so if you're listening to this me and jack may be meeting up somewhere in the city manhattan downtown check yeah. jack's twitter for that um and if not we'll, we'll do another one in the future where we actually organize a place for people to come but this time it was like jack schedules all over the place and we weren't 100 sure so hopefully we can do that and uh yeah thanks for being there again and we'll see you guys next week cheers Thank thanks you. guys